Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. We will continue with our series on Ephesians, and uh, I will finish chapter two this morning, Ephesians chapter two. For those of you who missed last week on the first half of this chapter, you can listen to it on our website at restoration.life or on, Apple, on our Apple podcast, and search under Restoration Church Chicago. Very briefly from last week, chapter two started by saying, We were spiritually dead. Vanessa spoke on this. We were not spiritually sick, but spiritually dead. Uh, But, but through the mercy and the love of God, we were raised up to life from a spiritual death to spiritual life and to be seated along with Jesus in the heavenly realms. So the, the word but, remember, all the things that happened before, and then suddenly the opposite and very distinct things that had happened. So, but through God's love and his goodness, we have been raised up to life. And, and we will see this word, but, again, later in chapter two. Vanessa said last week that the people who were spiritually dead, and I want to emphasize this because this is very important for us to know and very important for us, it's important for us to know so we can help those who don't know Jesus. The spiritually dead people are unaware of their spiritual thirst or their spiritual hunger. Because when you're spiritually dead, just like when you're dead, like you don't know that you're thirsty or hungry. None of us are dead, so we don't know, but if you're really dead, you don't really know if you're, whether you are thirsty or hungry. Uh, when you're spiritually dead, we are being poor by the ways of this world, like the culture that we live in, without realizing it. When we are spiritually dead, we're being pulled by, uh, by the power of Satan in terms of Satan is dictating our steps and telling us where to go and what to be and under the dominion of darkness. And when we are spiritually dead, we are under the bondage of the desire of the flesh. And when we are spiritually dead, we are under the wrath of God. And those are the things that we must keep in mind. And and I would recommend you guys listen to our sermon from last week. It was an uh, amazing sermon. And these five things no longer apply to us because of the cross thankfully, but because of God's love. We are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. That's in verse six. However, keep in mind, Satan will never, ever, ever stop trying to convince us that we're still under the dominion, are still under his control. They used to have control over us, but no longer. We have been set free, so do not believe the lies. Jesus has defeated all those things through the power of the resurrection. Verse 10 of chapter two states that we are God's handiwork to do his good works, not just any type of work, right? But God's good works. Doing God's good works is to display his glory. And how do, you, how do we display his glory? It is to point people to Jesus through living a kingdom-minded lifestyle. Because sometimes we can say all the things that we wanna say, but talk is cheap, right? If you're here for any Sunday, you, you hear that before. 
You gotta talk the talk and walk the walk. Otherwise, talk is cheap. So if we live a kingdom-minded lifestyle, that is how we tell people about Jesus. And then we display his glory through our love for God's people. Um, so the rest of chapter two elaborates further on how God made it possible for those who were not his people, those who were spiritually dead, to be his people. There's, uh, these verses from verse 11 through 22, I will have them on the, on the slide behind me, so no need to um, try to look through Ephesians to try to see where we are, which we will go through this morning are roughly structures in three different sections. Uh, from verse 11 and 12 is about who we were, who the Ephesians were, or who the Gentiles were, essentially all of us, those who are not the Jewish people. So who we were, we were separated from God's people, the Jews, through a physical sign. That physical sign was circumcision. Uh, verse 13 through 18 is about what God did. We are now brought near. God brought us near him. Into the pre- we were brought into the presence of God by the cross. We were not his people, but through God's great love and mercy, we are now his people. And verse 19 to 22 is about who we are now, about our current positions. Now we have access to the Father. We are now members of his household. Each of us represent a stone that are being built with other stones to make a building with Jesus as the chief cornerstone, a place dwelt by his spirit. Isn't that amazing? That's where his spirit is dwelling among us. So I may have given away this message this morning, but please don't leave yet. Please don't just get up and go. We're gonna try to go into a little bit more details for these verses. So let's read verse 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcisions, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So God's chosen people were were separated from everyone else. I think we all know this, right? They were separated from everyone else by a physical sign, which was circumcision. It was a private physical sign of God's people in the Old Testament because um, no one was walking around asking to see if you were circumcised or not. Because it was a private physical sign. It was a foreshadowing of the things to come in the New Testament. Right now, the sign of God's people is the spiritual circumcision of our hearts. It's still a private sign. No one can actually see it. Right? You don't really know whether you were circumcised or you were uh, you, you giving your heart to Jesus. There's no physical outward uh, a physical sign to that. It is only known through how we live our lives. Just like God's chosen people in the Old Testament when they were called to love, to, to not to love, to live differently than everyone else around them. Right, so back then, God has given them the Mosaic law to live by. They were rigid, they were strict, live by this law. Do not do anything else. But now we have the leading of the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to tell us what to do, what not to do. Instead of having to memorize all the laws, just listen to the Holy Spirit. That is how that separates us from everyone else. So I love seeing in scripture how things were connected from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? Back then it was uncircumcision, but now we have the Holy Spirit who is making his dwelling up with us. So we, the Gentile, if I can use that term, 
fit in the everyone else category. So you got God's people and everyone else category. We did not know about the covenant of the promise that God made to Abraham, that God made to Moses, that God made to David. The reason we didn't know because we were excluded. So even if we knew, if the people knew about the covenant of the promise, they were still were excluded because they were not God's people, right? Excluded in the, the promise of a savior that's coming, that we will be united with God and he will make us into, uh, we will live with him in the, in the amazing city of light. That's the book of Revelations. We were excluded from that because we were not God's people. The not God people, the everyone else category had no hope, had no future, we didn't know God or we can hear from him or led by him or knew, or knew that we can be provided by him. We, we used to, can I, can I say, we used to worship like figurines and, um, and man-made object, objects or our own imaginations or the thing that we wish that would happen when we die. Because as people without God, we only had a future based on our wishful thinking based on the thing that we wish that we have versus what we know that we have through Jesus. An example, an illustration that I want to use is, um, right, a lot of time you hear this, this thing where people, uh, you see it on TV where people say, oh, you know, I'm going through some stuff and I think my dad, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my uncle is watching over me. Do they really know that? Or it just sounds nice? Or is it something that they wish for? Or that's something that they're hoping for versus knowing that we will be united to those who all have given our life to Jesus. Because I can say that we, 500 years from now, me, Vanessa, will be united with my three kids because they have given their life to Jesus, that we will be together. It's not a hoping, a wishing, we know that it will happen. You know, using a, a cultural reference is, um, I, I grew up in a, a Vietnamese household, so uh, and I think similar to a lot of the Southeast Asian household, almost every house has an altar that you worship to your dead ancestors. You know, sometimes you go and you give them some food, put some food on the altar and you pray to them to say, you know, oh, great, great grandfather, please watch out for me, blah, blah, blah. I apologize, I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. Just please watch out for me, please make sure things will come through. So that's hoping, wishing, wishing, and thinking that, oh, maybe someone will watch out for me, or someone will let me know what's going on, versus we know from scriptures that Jesus has a future. We have a future in him. We have a hope in him. There is an inheritance that is Jesus waiting for us. And we're no longer under the dominion of darkness, we are no longer have to submit to uh, addictions or generational sins because we have been given every spiritual blessing. I know Bine brought that up. And also that's something that we went through um, last week or two weeks ago. So there's a difference in terms of knowing our future versus hoping or wishing. And the everyone else category still applies today to people without Jesus. People without Jesus live a life with, with no hope, no future. Right? Not knowing God, not being able to experience his presence, right? Spiritually dead, you, you don't know that you're spiritually thirsty or you spiritually hunger for his presence. And they don't even know that, that 
with Jesus, we don't have to be under the dominion of darkness. You can break off any addictions, anything that has been holding us back. You can use an example. You can say, well, that's what my dad did, so I'm doing the same thing. No, with Jesus, you do not have to do the same, the same thing. And the everyone else category, those, when we were before Jesus, we were far from God as possible. But, but for what God did. His, here it is again in verse 13. Thankfully for the but. B-U-T, okay, the B-U-T. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of his hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he puts to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, the everyone else category, and peace to those who were near, God's people. He preached the same thing. Peace to those who were not God's people, and also he preached peace to God's, God's people. For through him, we both have now access to the Father by one spirit. We, if I can use the term we as the people who, before we knew Jesus, the people who are not God's people, we were far away from God. I was far away from God. However, I or we were brought near by him. That's the key, by him. He brought us near. We didn't work our way near him. We didn't, we didn't figure out, uh, look at the map and figure out where to go to be near him. He brought us near by his blood. We did not do anything. We were not able to come near God. We were locked away under the dominion of darkness and Satan. We were doomed forever. Can I say that again? It's important to emphasize forever with no possibility of parole or escape. He was the one that brought us near, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus brought us near him, and being near him gives us peace. It's almost like when you are near someone who's very charismatic, right? Someone who's very high energy, suddenly you feel like, oh, okay, I'm a little bit high energy too. But multiply that by like a million times. When we're near Jesus, someone who has the ultimate power, who knows what's going to happen, who is in control, who plan things out and know things are going to happen, and is the creator of the whole universe. That's the peace that we have when we brought near him. We no longer had to live with those five things that Vanessa preached on last week about being spiritually dead because now we're spiritually alive. And it's because of Jesus and his peace. His blood shed on the cross destroyed the dividing barrier, the wall of hostility between God's people and everyone else. There was a dividing wall of hostility because on one side, the people who's with God. So when you're with God, God is with you. On the other side, those who are against God, who's not God's people. And when you are against God, God is against you. There can never be reconciliation until Jesus came along to break down the dividing wall. So Jesus destroyed that barrier to create in him a new people in him, 
Not just, oh, I broke down the dividing wall. Why don't you guys get along, negotiate a peace treaty, and I just go away and I'll come back later. No, in him, there's a new humanity. So Jesus brought, brought reconciliation of these two groups in himself. He came to preach peace equally to people who were far away, which is the everyone else category, and the people who were near, God's chosen people. In Jesus, we are now a new humanity. That's why we sing to him. That's why we praise him. That's why we lift up the name of Jesus because of what he has done. We can be brought into his presence. So through him, this new humanity now have equal access to the Father. So God's people no longer get to the front of the line and then everyone else just kind of wait in line. We're no longer second-class citizens. We're all the same. We all have equal access to the Father by one spirit. An illustration that I can use, uh, I couldn't come up with a really good illustration, but hopefully this would do the job, is an illustration is Vanessa and I are two very different people in every way possible, right? Physically, I think we look different, right? I may look tall because I'm standing on this thing, but I'm a little bit shorter. So Vanessa is, is, is tall. Physically, culturally upbringing, for those of you who have not met Vanessa, that's my wife, uh, Vanessa. So everything is different. I'm a refugee from Vietnam. This beautiful young lady from a small town in America who loves country music. We sang something pickup truck song this morning on our way to church to get ready for church. So we're very different people and we have no possibility or even like no reason for us to be together. The one thing that maybe Vanessa can resemble God's people is she knew Jesus since at a young age. But Jesus, I know this, brought us together. And now we have amazing children, even though they don't possess my physical attributes or my culture or my upbringing, and they don't also possess the same thing that Vanessa had. You know, they, they're not from a small town, America. They're from big city, Chicago. Uh, they don't look like either one of us, but they're, because of the spirit of Jesus in them, they are now a new generation just like a new humanity that were brought together by two different groups. Now they are just their own generations, their own generations. So similar to that illustration, God has created a new generation, a new humanity, a new chosen people, if I can use that term, through his grace and his mercy and his spirit to call his own. So this takes us to the last passage of who we are now. And remember, it's in Christ. It's always have to be in Christ, through Christ, for Christ, because of Christ. So consequently, verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and, and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together, together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Mm. So the, it started with the consequently. So this, this word implies that meaning after saying all that, right? After saying you were spiritually dead, you've been rescued by Jesus, you know, you were different people and God's people and Jesus brought the dividing wall down so now you're one people. So after saying all that, you're no longer foreign, foreigners and, and, and um, strangers. 
don't think like that anymore because we're now God's people. Now, we get to take hold of the covenants of the promise that God has spoken. The things that God has spoken to the Jewish people, the Israelite, applies to us also. That there is a savior for her, us. The hope that is Jesus, there is a future for us. We belong to God now. He made his chosen people. And we get to experience his peace equally, just like anyone else. God has chosen us, made it possible for us to be the citizen and members of his household. Built on the foundations of apostles and prophets. Built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. There's a lot to be said on that. But I will briefly say about these two gifts. The gift of the apostle and the gift of the prophet. The gift of the apostle is to, the main thing, the gift is to help um, keep Jesus the center of the universe. It's to help remind everyone to make Jesus the focus of everything that you do. Make Jesus the focus of your life. That is the gift of the apostle. There are many fancy ways of explaining it, but it's pretty much it. The, the gift of the apostle is to remind us, keep Jesus the main thing, make sure he's above all things. That's the gift of the apostle. The gift of the prophet is to help people better hear from God for themselves, for themselves, or to bring confirmation to the things that they have already heard from God. The gift of the prophet is not, not just to speak for God to the people. It's to help teach people how to hear from God for themselves. So if we essentially, we want to grow on the foundation of making Jesus the focus of everything, gift of the apostle, everything that we do in our lives, and to help people hear or see or have a greater revelation of Jesus. So we are grow on the foundation of us making Jesus the center of our lives and everything that we do, the decision that we make, the lifestyle that we live, and to grow in the revelation of Jesus, that's apostle and prophet. Those are the two gifts right there. Then we will grow in our understanding of who Jesus is. And when we keep that as our foundation, Jesus himself automatically becomes our chief cornerstone. So in construction terminology, I think we all know this, right? Chief cornerstone is like the, the principal stone or the anchor or the main um, pipeline that holds the whole building together, the foundation that the building relies on. So it is important to note that by telling everyone Jesus is our cornerstone does not make him our chief cornerstone. Right? Going back to like talk is cheap, right? Just because we can say whatever we want. Uh, I think I've realized this a long time ago, once I graduated from college, is I can say whatever I want, but do I really know it? Do I really do those things? And it's the same thing with us. We can say whatever we want. We can say that, yeah, I love Jesus. I, you know, I go to church and this, but if I don't go to church, then what does that mean? We need to live out the things that God has called us to do. So we must have the foundation of always making Jesus the center of our lives and help point people to Jesus, help grow in our revelation of Jesus. So this is how we know that Jesus is the cornerstone of our foundations, not just saying it, but actually living it out. So when Jesus is our chief cornerstone, we become the holy temple in the Lord. Here is another illustration of what happened in the Old Testament. It's being repeated, but it's becoming so much better 
with Jesus, through Jesus. So the tabernacle, I think most of us may know this, it was a physical place where his presence dwells, right? That's where the Israelite would go and offer the offerings and, and go to, to be in the presence of God. So if one wants to be in the presence of God, just as circumcision was a physical sign, you go to the tabernacle. It's a sign of God's people. Now in Jesus, we are the holy temple where God's presence resides and make his dwelling. And it's so much better now through Jesus because where we go, he goes. Isn't it so much better versus, well, the tabernacle is right here, so I guess this is where I'm going. This is where I want to be versus where we go, he goes. He goes with us wherever that we go. Whether you go home or go on vacations or come to church, he goes where we go. He's with us always, all the time, both in terms of each of us separately and, and also in terms of when each of us join together to become a place where Jesus dwells. And his presence is even more powerful when we come together to worship Jesus. That's why we gather on Sunday. It's not because, well, I don't know why I just get up. I just have to get up. It's Sunday morning. I'm supposed to go to church. That is why. Because of his presence, it's dwelling together. We want to experience his presence. We want to hear from him. We want to know where he's telling. Anyway, all right, I'm going off course now. So let me, let me get back to, this, to the sermon. Is, is we, his presence is even more powerful when we join together on Sunday. So let's continue to build on that foundation and understand and recognize and explain to people why we go to church on Sunday. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Jesus is making his dwelling, not in the tabernacle like in the Old Testament, but now within the people whose hearts have been given to Jesus. When our hearts are committed to Jesus, anything we say and do is originated from the spirit of God, right? Because he lives within us, so he goes where we go. And whatever we're saying is God, his spirit is originated. So listen to him on the things that we want to say. Listen to him on the things that we should do. And it's something that we even try to tell our kids, even though they're in school, even though they're younger, is try to pay attention to the things that God is speaking and telling us to do or not to do, to say or not to say. We're constantly under pressure, right? Being pulled by the power of the world, being pulled by the powers of Satan, being pulled by the culture, being pulled by everyone else who's living under the bondage of the desire of the flesh. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is making his dwelling not in the tabernacle like before. So when our hearts are committed to Jesus, we become his handiwork. And I will end by saying this. In verse 21, it said, in him, the whole building, so it's not just some of the building, not most of the building, as in some of the leaders or just the mature Christians or those who are being paid by the church are not being paid by the church. The whole building, right? I think you guys get that now, right? There's really no other way to translate that. There's no other definition. The whole building, which means all of us, those who have walked with Jesus for decades and those who have just been saved by Jesus just an hour ago, we're all the same. The whole building is to join together to lift up the name of Jesus and to be used by Jesus. We're all his handiwork. And 
We all have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ. Just like Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far and near, it's the same thing as those who have been walking with Jesus for years or maybe have walked away from Jesus and coming back. It's the same for everyone. Every spiritual blessing is available to everyone. And with that in mind, what we want to do is we want to come together. Come together, just as Jesus said, just as Scripture said, as a whole building, join together and pour and go toward the vision that Jesus has set out for us. For us, it's at Restoration Church. Other local churches have different vision, the things that God has called them to do. But for us, we want to pull together and pursue the things that God has called us to do. So just know this and share this with others about why we come to church, why we're committing, why we're committing ourselves to certain, uh, this church versus that church down the road because this is where Jesus has us. And he has a plan and a purpose for each of us individually and a plan and a purpose for each local church and different local churches and overall the universal church. So know this, share this with others, be encouraged to know that he dwells with us wherever that we go. And we have been set free from the dominion of Satan. Satan does exist. I hope you guys know that, right? If you've been here for any amount of time, the devil does exist. It's very smooth, very sly, always trying to convince us that he doesn't exist, but he does. And we have been given every spiritual blessing. So encourage one another about this. I have so much more, but I realize that I'm running out of time, so I need to stop. So this concludes chapter two for Ephesians. Um, Mike, will take us through the first half of chapter three next Sunday. I wanna encourage you guys to read along with us and um, just meditate on scriptures, meditate on the word and what God is saying to you. So with that, why don't, we, um, why don't you guys stand up? I'll be one. Let's rise. I just sounded so formal. Let's rise. Every time I say that, I just thought of the movie um, Young Guns. You guys ever seen the movie Young Guns? with Billy the Kid, it was a long, long time ago. And they always have this term, they say, let's ride. You know, regulators, let's ride, but let's ride is not this, okay, sorry. All right, let's close our hand. let's close our eyes and let's pray. As you can see, I was not prepared for that. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for you. We're still so thankful for your presence. They're so thankful that you dwell with us and among us and you are for us and you are with us. We're so thankful for that, Lord. We're so thankful that we have been rescued, not just us, but many other people and many other in the past and many other people uh, who are to come. We praise you and we honor you and we lift you up, Lord. I just want to give this opportunity to anyone who have not committed their life to Jesus. If you want to commit your life to Jesus, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart and recognize that he had destroyed the wall of hostility and you want to be rescued from the dominion of darkness, I would love to pray with you to accept Jesus into your heart. So if there's anyone here who has not had a relationship with Jesus and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, just lift up your hands and I would love to lead you into a prayer. Jesus, we're so thankful for you, God. We're so thankful for scriptures. We're so thankful for, for knowing that you are with us. We're so thankful that you have rescued us, that you have brought us near, that we have your peace. 
and we're seated with you in the heavenly realms, that we're no longer under the dominions of darkness, that we have been given every spiritual blessing. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give us a greater revelation of who we are in Jesus. Give us a greater revelation of who Jesus is, and I just pray for strength and convictions and perseverance and determination to pursue after you and pursue after the things that you have called us to do and to prioritize you above all things. Just like you, Jesus, your name is above all names. We want to prioritize you above all the priorities in our life and keep our focus on you, keep our eyes on you and pursue and go after all out. Go all out after all that you have for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.